Hello and good day. It is another beautiful day on your favorite show, Kako T, coming to you live, live, live again for another show. Oh my God, having these shows every two weeks, I thought it would not be as exhausting as having this show every week because, you know, before I used to come on every single week and it was completely overwhelming. And I said, you know what? I'll try the two-week thing, being as I'm in school and all of that stuff. And the two-week thing seems like it's still exhausting. But needless to say, I'm so happy to be here. I'm excited to be here. I enjoy doing this. This is something that I have dreamt of forever. And I absolutely enjoy um, what I do. And I'm glad to bring you new guests every single two weeks or whatever it happens. Um, I'm excited to to bring you all the different talents, all the different um, entrepreneurs, all the different um, executives, all the different artists that we have all around the world. And I'm so glad that you have chosen to come on and be on with me. I want to remind you if you're actually just tuning in, so let me know where you're linked or where you hooked up from. Where are you uh, connected to us from? You know, um, uh, drop a line. Let us know that you're locked in in England, in New York, in 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 Miami, uh, in Dominica. I, I can't imagine. Probably not too many of the Dominicans in Dominica probably will be on today because I heard it's Coral Festival happening in the Nature Island of the world. But guess what? It's okay. The show will be left on my timeline and you can always go back on there and, of course, view the entire show. You can also link up on my podcast link, which is on my website. So you can see both the entire show as well as listen to the show at a later date at your choosing, right? So that's how it works. That's how Kakuti goes. Today, I have an awesome guest with me. I like to normally start off the show and let you kind of know how I know my guests. Um, and and I, I, I don't know if he will remember this. I don't know if he remembers me then. Uh, I'm not too sure, um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spill the beans anyway. I'm not even sure if he's listening. Are you listening? You, you're in the lobby, right? You're listening. Just shake your head and let me know because I can't hear you, but right. Okay. So he's listening. All right. So let me see if I, I jog his memory. Uh, as to how long I've known him. I've known my guest since I was a child. Like since I was uh, in my early, early days of high school. He was actually going to school um, in the same place where I was going to school. And I remember this black boy coming up and trying to talk to me. You know, he was waiting for, for a bus, you know, by the bus stop. They, they used to call it... Um, it, it was, my gosh, I can't remember the name of the place. Close to where the, the town hall is now in Portsmouth. But that's where all, everybody waited for, for bus to go home. And I remember he came up and he was talking to me. And um, he was asking, but he had like a an accent, uh, which I, I couldn't understand where his accent was, was from, right? And then I heard that there's this guy doing karate, you know, years later, and I'm like, but wait, but that boy looks so familiar. <laughs> you know, and he, he is actually blown up in Dominica and the Caribbean. And uh, he has done very well for himself. But he's had a really, really, really humble beginning. Uh, someone might say a tough beginning. 
um, I, I think it's a humble beginning because we all have to start somewhere. And I think his experiences, which you'll learn a little bit of um, later on in the show, his experiences actually led him to where he is. So you could take a bad situation and make it good, or you could take a bad situation and end up rotten. It's all up to you. And today I have, um, I, I'm going to call him Mr. Robin and joke because it's funny because I had a few people from Switzerland message me earlier on today. So if you're locked in from Switzerland, howdy, how are you? How do they say hi in Switzerland? Let me know. <laughs> let me know. Drop a line and let me know how they say hi in Switzerland. Anyways, I have a few folks from Switzerland and one of them, one of them, one of them actually said, you know, uh, Mr. Robbie and, you know, the other one said, said um, uh, Shannon, you know, so he, he is on with us um today and i'm so excited um to have him on with me uh for this edition of caco tea all his social media handles will be in the box above or for some of you below it depends on how you're looking and depends on what device you're actually looking at the show so his social media handle will be below you can hook him up on facebook um he's very 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 active on facebook um so if you if you need any um, advice, you know, after the show, you can always do that. Uh, but we encourage folks to send in your comments or your messages while the show is going on. And once we are able to, uh, once the you know the content is a okay and we can ask the question, we will be sure to ask um, um, our guests or ask the guests the question. Hopefully, you can get a positive answer. I want at this time to bring in uh, my guest. Um, I I actually heard him speak um, out in public, probably for the first time, when I was listening to my girl Fadina. Fadina Frampton has an amazing show called In the Spotlight, and um, I heard him on there. Um, Fadina will agree. Like when I remember when she first started that show, um, you know, I sat down in her office and we spoke about it even before it started, and you know, getting ideas and all of these different things. And when I, I, I always try my best to listen to her show because I'm one of those women. I like to support other women. I believe that that we as black women we need to support each other um, because that is the only way we can move ahead. That's the only way we can. We can we can get ahead in life, um, especially as women, and worse again, women of color, right? So I always um, make a duty, you know, on Monday evening if I can, you know, um, listen to Fadina's show uh, and get a you know sense of who she is. And she had um, a Shannon on uh, recently, um, a couple, well, it wasn't recent; it was a few years ago, and I didn't know all of that about him, and I was like, oh my god, this guy is like amazing right and he's here on Kakoti. so i want to welcome uh, my guest for today who's going to be joining me he's in the land of the cold like me so <laughs> he's going to be coming on uh to say a hi hello hello good evening jl good evening it's a pleasure to be here i'm blessed um actually i'm just at my sewing machine right now meditating Doing some um, Halloween purse and stuff like that for the young kids. You meditated at your sewing machine. 
That's it, man. That's it. Meditation is um uh, is actually different kind of meditation. There's active meditation and there's um conscious abstract meditation. So right now I am in conscious meditation where I'm focusing on making some Halloween little bags to put the candies for the little kids right now, you know? Some, you're a piece of work, you know that, right? <laughs> I was told so. I was told so. But you know what, man? Do you I am who. <laughs> Huh? Do you ever stop? When do you when do you stop? When do you sleep? When do you pause? I have a question for you. Do you your does your heart ever stop beating? It doesn't. No, exactly. It doesn't. So you never so I am, I'm just I'm just a big heart muscle outside of the heart, man. Like welcome to Capo T. Um you have your Capo Boy, jail boy, let me tell you now. I have a, I have a glass there, but let me tell you. Um, where I be there, I haven't got cacao here. Where I be there, I have cacao, jail. Where I be there, it's pure green tea. <laughs> green tea, black tea. No cacao tea, man. No cacao tea. So right now, I just had some green tea. I'm maybe going to make another cup in a minute, you know? But... Um, Hit them and tell them what can really keep you warm. Eh? You need to. I mean, a, a big Dominican man like you. Come on, man. Well, I need to maybe fly over to Toronto and get some cacao. You know. You know we have it in Toronto. Toronto doesn't miss anything. Toronto I know. Toronto. Anything. <laughs> we have that good cacao tea. Um, yeah. Toronto. Uh, we're getting some some people. Some people are coming in. Uh, I just want to um, uh, just share with you a few of the. the who are coming in and we have jessica ricketts uh she hey. all her support she's sending you that's all family that's family right there man that's family yes so, <laughs> so we have we have a few people viewing right now and we encourage them during the show you know to send your shout outs and we'll be sure to um to shout you out as long as we as, as early as we can so um big up to jessica i know she's out there in med school doing her yeah so um big up to her um, I want to congratulate you first of all. Um, before I even get into things, you were just um inducted into the Caribbean Martial Arts Hall of Fame. That's what it's yes. called. And I want to tell you a big congratulations, you know, to you. I know you worked so very hard, and I'm sure you probably wasn't even expecting that, right? Actually, let me tell you, no, I wasn't expecting it to be honest. And social media is a very is a very dangerous thing and it's a very good thing. And actually, when I believe people are not looking at me, people are actually looking at me. And um, I was nominated by some grandmasters out in New York and South Carolina. And that was a pleasure because I have never met these people before. And they see my work and they follow me on Facebook. And they're like, you know, we have to recognize this young man. And I was like, man... I had to just pack and leave and just do it spontaneously. You know who I am already. I don't. I don't. I don't waste time marking oh, time. Sure. That is the word. <laughs> but oh, you so. Sure. But you know what? If you don't OSHA in life, you're not gonna get nothing. You know, you gotta be OSHA, man. You gotta. You gotta have a drive. You gotta have a spirit of uh, always moving, not procrastinating. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. yeah. For those of you who don't know what OSHA means, you know, the non-Dominicans or the non-Saint-Lucian. OSHA, we, we need to do our own little um, <laughs> clang and dialect um, 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 dictionary. OSHA <laughs> is when you fast and you, you know, you know, like you like to, some islanders will say, you too fast. Well, in Dominica, we say it's OSHA. 
<laughs> so that is that is what it, it equals, right? Or it equates. Um. Uh. So those of you coming in, you know, I want to say a big shout out. We have Dr. Nesty just stopped by. She goes hello. Uh, she's saying hello to us. I miss you guys. Sniff, sniff. I know this show is gonna be great. So she's locked in. Um. I, although I think she's supposed to be at Curl Fest, but she's locked in. She's here. We also have Belle Angel, uh, who's listening from Vaughn and saying hello to the guests. Uh, we also have the Dominica's Minister of Tourism is on. You're putting some popular people, man. Some, some yeah. important people, man. You have powers, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you, know, you know, when you do great things, great things follow you. You know what I mean? Like, uh, the work you put out is, the work, is what you're going to get the results from. You know what I mean? I want to big up, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Robert Tong. You know, he's saying, big up my brother, wishing you more success. Continue to. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Me and you, we have business to talk, bro. We got business to talk. Okay. So, folks, you know, are coming in. Um, uh, Mr. Tong, he listens. He, he, he checks in all the time on my shows and, and always making sure, you know, that I'm, I'm staying on the street and, and narrow. <laughs> <laughs> and as you know, his wife and I are very, very good friends. So um, big up to all of you coming in right now. We have Ant Antoine Wilders is listening from Anguilla. So Anguilla is also in the house. Uh, yeah, man. Yeah, in your love. Roof is, is bigging up. Uh, Roof Augustine is saying hi. Let us know where you're locked in from so, so we can shout out where you at as well. I like to start my show, uh, all of my shows, by getting to know my guests because my perception of who my guest is might not be who they think they are or might not be <laughs> the truth, the truth, the truth, the real truth right? <laughs> right so there's three parts to everything and i want to know and i guess would like to know who exactly who are you who are you you asking me that question who am i yes and, and <laughs> i don't want you to go like Benny man the girl sugar <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, people ask me that question all the time, and I just simply tell people, I am nature's greatest miracle, you know. I am just one of the miracles that the universe has bring forth, and uh, I'm just grateful. And um, I'm a humble being, I'm a humble person. I do my best to stay as humble as I can and not forgetting my roots, you know what I mean? And uh, that's just basically it. But um, if you want to go more into details, being nature's greatest miracle, um, I was born in a nice little village in the island of Dominica. And I was born in the northeastern part of Dominica, a little village called Marigat. For those of you who want to travel, that's where the Menville Airport is located. And um, I was grown, I was born in a family, unfortunate family, you know, um, very humble family. I don't say poor very often because poor is relative, but financially super poor, um, poor in lack of opportunities, um, even at one point, lack of education, lack of information. Um, I was born in a situation where I had to fend for myself from a very, very young age. And um, if you want to be asking about like, you know, family wise. When you say fend for yourself, um, mm -hmm. Uh, that term is 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 very very vague. What what does fend for yourself mean? Well, I, I'll tell you. The, the the good thing about my life is jail is that I have a very photographic memory, and I remember stuff from since I was three years old. 
Wow. And maybe that's one of the reasons why I am who I am today. Because with all these memory and all these flashbacks, they give me the drive to move forward. I remember when I was a little kid, my mom, my mom couldn't read. She couldn't write. Um, I was, I'm the second child of my mom and she couldn't take care of my brother and I. And I don't know if you remember, if you say you grew up in Portsmouth, you remember Sugarloaf. Yes, I, I grew up in Vicas, but right. I... So you have to pass Sugarloaf to come to Portsmouth for school. Uh, my mother used to work at Sugarloaf, okay. all right? Taking out the copra and the coconuts and all of that stuff and so on. And first and foremost, my mom never really wanted me because of the way my dad treated her, right? And I got to find that out late in my life. And when I was very young, around three and a half years old, I remember my mom used to leave me and my brother by a lady by the name of Fideline, who died very, very, a long, long, long time ago. And this lady used to beat us on our head with spoon. People talking about child abuse. This is one of the first beating I got was with a spoon on my head, my brother and I. And I remember my brother was much older than I was, and um, he's in St. Martin somewhere. And we walked, I don't know if you remember, but we walked from Borough Square, not Borough Square, from by the market where Rosie Douglas used to live. Yes. Right. So we walked from all that way, two little boys, all the way to Sugarloaf. That's over a mile. I talking about, I was three and a half years old. My brother maybe was about seven or eight years, eight or nine years. He's a, he's, I don't know how old he's, he's older than me. <laughs> but, and uh, we walked and um, we told our, my, I told my mom what had happened and she was very angry and she decided to contact my father. I didn't know who my father was at that point. I've never met my father, never saw him ever. And she contacted my father, according to my grandmother and so on. And my father agreed to, for my grandmom to take me to live with her and he would help my grandmother raise me. Okay. Right. So that's with that, something that happens a lot in, in, yes. time in West Indian, in West Indian, in West Indian culture. Yes. Well, unfortunately my grandmother did take me, but my father didn't hold up his end of his bargain. So now I was left, yeah. So now I was left with my grandmother and my grandmother couldn't read and write. She was an alcoholic. She was a farmer. Um, she had a high blood pressure. She, she had diabetes um, from the alcohol and all that. And she had seven children raising at wow. that time. And, and that was, she was, wasn't just you. There were other, she, other kids in the home. Yeah, her children, most of her kids was living with her at that time. Okay. And... It was really tough. It was really, really tough. So when I say I used to fend for myself, it means that sometimes my grandmother would go to the garden and she would leave me to take care of myself to go to school. Now, I didn't start elementary school. I didn't go to elementary school. I started primary school when I was around seven, seven, eight years, around seven and a half to eight years old. That's when I started primary school. And... Oh. When you started primary school, what were you considered as, or who did they consider you? Well, be? I was I was a very I was considered to be, quote unquote, back in the day, a duncy cat, right? A duncy cat. I couldn't read. I couldn't. I didn't really know my ABC that well. I I I, I was very slow, and that's the reason. And the reason for that is because I was born in an unfortunate family. My mom couldn't read. My grandmother couldn't read. Most of my uncles didn't finish high school, so. 
they they could maybe count words so i didn't really have anybody to really guide me and teach me to song the words of er uh, and duh and you know all of that stuff that you do with your kids that can read at tw- at 3 years old and i remember you know a lot of the the teachers they 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 knew i knew the work but i i didn't have the help that i needed and i remember my grandmother used to go to the garden and she would have one dollar man and you remember i don't even remember though back in the days they still have this small carnation milk and carnation was a very popular thing and cheese was a very popular thing and uh, the local dollar bread right the oven bread not the ready made bread that we have now the local bread that goes with your caco tea <laughs> right right and sometimes my grandmother would leave one bread for me and a small tin of for the whole day and i had to cut that bread sometime in three pieces and i talking a dollar bread is about this long right that mm. wide and i had to take a piece for my breakfast sometimes no 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 snack for school and then take another piece for my lunch and then take another piece for the evening time cuz sometimes she didn't have money to cook and what not so i used to help myself by going in the in the bush going in the river going in the sea and fish and shoot birds and i would cook my own food my first pot of food I remember cooking my own pot of food at the first time on a real stove, not fireside, not the firewood like in the bush, but on a stove at 8 years old and it was cooking butter and plantain. If you if you old school, those of you old school you know what cooking butter, hot cooking yeah. butter, right? Your pot coming out yellow. Oh <laughs> my god. So I was telling somebody recently that I enjoy cooking butter. Oh, cooking and butter and dry bread. And bread. Ah. <laughs> Right. And breadfruit, like, yeah, like, man. Tell you eat that, like, yeah, man. I'm like, yeah, that was the life. <laughs> like, that, that. I didn't eat it at home because that was the experience I had at home. But when I would go out to like my friends, you know, or, or people in the neighborhood and stuff, and they'd say, "Let's go by the bay and roast breadfruit and cook." Oh yeah, bread. oh yeah, oh yeah. That so was that was my that was my daily food. That was my daily food most of the time, and you know. you know it was just what it was and uh i remember many times i used to be very hungry didn't have anything so i became very playful and so shana would you say that you saw a bit of misery growing up oh not a bit of misery i saw a lot of misery <laughs> i saw i saw i saw a lot of misery growing up i mean just name it i saw it just name it i went through it So when I see these kids going through certain things and I see kids taking life for granted these days it get me up a little bit angry because they have no clue you know and I go to school with do you listen man I went to school with no shoes at one point I went to school with a piece of book and a piece of pencil at one point I remember I had to take a I don't know if you if you well you you maybe was a little more fortunate than me but in primary school My 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 grandmother buy me the black and white book. You remember that black and white book? She used to have to cut that with the scissors and half of that was my was for me to go to school. And she would break the pencil in half, then she would take a thread from the crocus bag, make a knot around the top of the pencil, and she would tie it on my shirt on my shirt button. So my shirt button has a thread attached to my pencil that I would write. So I would not lose that pencil. And if I ever lose that pencil, I would have gotten beaten. My grandmother would beat because my father at that time wasn't taking care of me. He he wasn't doing what he was doing, and um, I claim my father. You know, my father didn't claim me. Back then, 
I mean, back then it was a little bit, I was a little bit angry and maybe that's why I became very um, full of rage and full of anger and full of pain. Uh, but now I am, I'm grateful because it made me the strong mind, the strong, the strong positive mind that I have now, that experience made me very strong mm -hmm. to never give up, to never give in, to never, to never let people believe they can tell me who they are by just their opinion because someone opinion of me is not my reality. Mm -hmm. You understand? That's just your opinion. You know, because a lot of people say a lot of things about Shana Robin, but do you really know who I'm, who I am as you rightly said? And then when I go down into the details and I start telling people who I am, they get shocked. They're like, wow, I didn't know you, 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 you were born like that. You're so articulate. You're so ambitious. You're so this. I'm like, yeah, it's because of the misery I went through made me so ambitious because about your school days. I want to know about your school going to school because I, I can't imagine <laughs> Jan, you want to stay here until tomorrow morning <laughs> <laughs> well you know oh, my school I, I know how to shut you up it's very strong <laughs> that, just so you think I'm your met <laughs> I'm your met <laughs> but you know like uh, my school days oh my god um, like my documentary is coming out I talk briefly about it um, man, my school days when I, listen, I was in primary school and I was so ill-disciplined. I used to get beat all the time. I was called names. I was very, very black. I wasn't nice and nice like how I am now. I was black, you know, black. You, you know what I mean? Still black. No, no, I, I have a nice black now. I don't like that black anymore. I, I, I prefer my black when I was growing up. My black was dark and shiny, like <laughs> Shaka Zulu black, you know. <laughs> now my now my black is fading away. I don't like that. Refine. <laughs> it's refining, you know. But <laughs> to get back, <laughs> you know what I mean. But to get back to the to the to my school days, um, like I was saying to you, I went to school with one pants. I'll give you a real true life scenario. I had one school pants and one school shirt for like two years straight. And every day I come from school, I have to wash my own clothes. At seven and a half years to eight years old, I was already washing my clothes in the river. You understand? And every day I come from school, I had to wash my school shirt and hang it up so I could have it for the next day. My pants used to be full of stinkles. We used to have to pass through the banana fields to go to school because there was a shortcut. And I had to go under the banana trees to look for bananas to eat together with cocoa, all right? And sometimes coconut and to run away from school to go and look for mangoes to eat because I didn't have breakfast sometimes. I didn't have, um, I remember standing up in assembly and my chest would be hurting and all that kind of stuff because I didn't eat. And um, I, man, there's so much thing that I could tell you about my school days. Like I, I, I used to steal, I don't know if you remember that book. I see a kite. I see a red book. I see a. I, 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 I stole that book from school to learn to help me to learn to read. Right? I used to steal because I. There was one guy, his name was Neville Peer. May he soul rest in peace. I always give him credit because I think he sparked the greatness inside of me. And. Beside people calling me names, saying I would be a good for nothing, I'm a whatless, I will never make it, I will end up a bum like some of my uncles, and constantly hearing you stupid, you black, you ugly, you know, your breath stink, your big ears, all these things, I hear all these things growing up. And honestly, it had a negative effect on me in a certain way that 
I was retaliating negatively towards it, but it also gave me the opportunity to tell myself, one day I'm going to prove these people wrong. And I was saying that to prove the people of Mari got wrong, because that's where I was growing up then. And so one day, the people of my village is going to respect me. But I didn't realize the whole country and the whole Caribbean and the whole world, by extension, has grown to respect me today. So, but we'll get into that, right? <laughs> and, and I used to, yeah, and I used to go to school, like I used to run away from school to go and look for food to eat. You know, I used to go to school with, 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 with holes in my shoes. You know, I used to go to school and, and can't, and can't, and can't, sometimes my grandmother would not even go for my school book. She didn't care if I read or write. She used to say to me, go and study your book, go and study your book. But that's all she could say, because she don't know if I'm doing good or not, because she can't read, she can't write. But you couldn't fool her with money. <laughs> she could have count. She couldn't read. And that was the old people back in the days. They couldn't read, they couldn't write, but they had a lot of common sense, a lot of life sense, right? I call it life sense. And... um. So my school days was very tough. It was very hard. It wasn't fortunate like a lot of you guys. And um, of, oh, why you say a lot of you guys? Do you think? Do you think? No. Well, what I mean, say like I mean, you had your mom. You had your mom there for you. You know, maybe you had your dad for you. You know, most people they either have their mom or their dad, or they have one parent. For me, I had no parent whatsoever. You know, maybe you had someone to help you to pronounce words and to help you to, to learn to write. I used to write upside down. I could still write upside down. Like I could take my book like this, turn it upside down and write. Yeah, my sister. You understand? And it was Neville Pierre who said, no, you have to learn to write upside up. Not even the school teachers taught me to write upside up. They would laugh at me, some of them. Right. And um, I used to. What was your mom in all of this? Because in mom all of that, she was in Portsmouth. She had already left Marigot. She was working in Sugarloaf in Portsmouth. And I was now staying with my granny, right? I was staying with my grandmother. My father was in Marigot as well, doing his thing, a fisherman. Maybe all the talents and skills I have, I maybe got it from my father because he was very, very, very talented. That's one thing. So the, did that's you not, looking for your mom to say, hey, mommy, I'm not eating. I'm not. You know, well, like, you know, but she didn't have, well, I mean, I mean, I was with her and she didn't have, she was struggling. And at, at that age, at that age, um, when your mom, your, your mom is, you've been sent to spend holiday with your mom. Cause I remember I used to be going and spend holidays with my mother. Right. And my mother used to tell me, she don't want me. She don't want me. Why do they come down to Portsmouth? And she would, I would spend two days sometimes and she would send me back up. And I lived with my mom the longest when I became a teenager, when my grandmother died. At that time, she didn't have a choice. I had to go live with her. So, but in, in my early childhood days, what I, the story I'm telling you right now is between the age of three and a half years to the age of 12 years old. Mm-hmm. All what I'm telling you right now is after 12 and a half, well, up to maybe 14, when my grandmother died from alcohol poisoning and high blood pressure and stuff like that in the hospital, then I had to go live with my mom. And that is where I started going to school in Postmo. That's where I came up and talked to you and you cut style on me. That's okay. You know, that's okay. Many of the girls did that back then, but they ain't doing that back now because I was, I used to talk coco. I wasn't talking nice, pretty English. Like I'm talking now, you know, I was shabby, you know, ragamuffin as you want to call it. I have a problem with your look. It was mm. just your accent was just like, like a married god. What you expect? It's Pokoi we talking. But there were not many people um, from in our, our our age group around that time who went to school from Marigold. You know, right. 
people, most people, you were just an exception to the rule. You know, you had to stay in your community. And you, you just like me, because I went to school, I'm, I'm from Vegas. And right. I went to school in Portsmouth all my life, right? And it right. just, my parents wanted me to, to attend school in Portsmouth. And you had a different circumstance, but you were there in Portsmouth. And I was just like, but when we succumb, I You want to know how I ended up in Portsmouth? I never thought you were ugly or ragamuffin or anything. I just couldn't. Well, that was that was that was the that was the notion of most of the girls. You know, I won't call any names now because I don't want to hurt no feelings. But you know the beautiful thing? All these girls now, girls are rush me. <laughs> but you, <laughs> well, let's go back to left you left um living with your grandmother because she's passed on. And you decided to, um, well, you had no choice but to move in with your mom in person. What was that transition like? Because you're coming from. <laughs> you're, ask, you're asking me some serious question there, man. Like, oh, man. Wow. Uh, I mean, I'm laughing now, but I really don't like talking about that because it really brings back a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, memories that I, I, I try to bury, you know. But before I went to live with my mom, let me tell you a little bit about my dad. I remember one time, my my dad was a fisherman. He was one of the best fishermen ever. May he so rest in peace as well. And I used to always be by the bay fishing. And I used to see this black man. And I didn't know it was my father. And one day I went to my grandmother and I was crying, saying, I'm hungry. And back in the days, I don't know if you remember, the men used to play dominoes. And they used to play dominoes for milk, dominoes for rice. <laughs> So, you know, I'm not lying, right? So, so my father was a very big domino player. And I remember my mom said to me, go to that shop. It was a shop in Marigot owned by um, the Gray, um, Koshi. And go to a Koshi shop, and you'll see a black man, the, uh, the ugliest black man. That's what my grandmother described it. She said, the blackest man in the shop, that's your father, and tell him you're hungry. That's how I claim my father. So I went in the shop. I said, good afternoon, because, you know, as a, back then, elders used to make sure you have respect. So I said, good afternoon. And I look, I scan, everybody's like, what do you want? And I'm, I, that, I had no shirt on, you know. I had a, a, you know, a piece of pants with holes and stuff. And I said, good afternoon. Um, I look around. I look around. I seen this big black man with a, with a bald head, almost like mine, playing dominoes. So I walk up to him. I say, is your name Embat? She say, he said, because that was my father's name. He said, yeah. He said, well, I said to him, well, my grandmother told me to tell you that I am hungry. You are my father to feed me. Just like that. And you know, back in the days, when you give a child a message, they go in and say it exactly how it is. And, and all the other men in the shop started to laugh, right? And I was sitting there, and I remember my first, I remember the first food. It was a chili biscuit and a juicy. I don't even remember the days of juicy, right? It was a chili biscuit and a juicy, and that was the first food my father gave me. You know, I say that it bringing emotions, but... <laughs> Man, like, ah, uh, wow. But, you know. Take your time. Take your time. You know, it's, 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 you know, it made me, it made me um even a little bit angrier because, you know, my father 
after that, the, the men in the start, they start calling me Shan Bum because I came and I dropped a bomb on my dad. And, you know, and my father was a little bit embarrassed and so on. And then we started talking and we started moving and then we started doing certain things. And, uh, but he never keep up to his bargain, you know. And my father had like 32 children there about, right? And um, so that's how I claim my dad. So my dad didn't come in a hospital and claim me and say, that's my son, right? Although he knew I was his son. And at the same time, I think he was married as well. So, you know, he got my mom pregnant while he was married. So he couldn't take care. So that was the reason why my mom had resentment towards me. And I didn't know that until I became 33, 34, no, 35 years old. I only found that out. So I lived my whole life with my mom giving me resentment. Wow. And I always telling myself, I'm going to prove my mom wrong. I'm going to be a man and she's going to be proud of me, et cetera, et cetera. And also tell myself, I'm going to prove my dad wrong. And I remember when I used to go and ask my dad for fish. And my father used to come home sometime with a boatload of fish. Uh, you know the flying fish? My father would come home with a boatload of flying fish. And my father would give me only five. Wow. Literally, only five from a whole boatload. And he would give other people's children a whole bunch, right? And I used to just, um, I used to take it and bring it for my grandmother. My grandmother would be making noise. And my grandmother was like, oh, that's what your father giving you? Oh, big fisherman like your father? And, and I used to be between a rock and a hard place, trying to juggle with that emotion and stuff like that. So, so what I used to... On a different level as well. Because huh? you were trying to connect with him clearly on a different level as well. So you would accept... Well, yeah. Him. I mean, it, it's, when, when a kid don't know who his dad is and you finally find out who your father is and you've seen your father living within walking distance and the bay is from seriously walking distance away and he's coming in and he's of course you want to connect with your dad but the question is is only so much that we could have taken place you know what i mean and i remember i had to be begging him for everything like sometime i beg him for his shoes and he would he used to go to guadalupe and marigaland you know back in the days they used to transport people to marigaland right and he would bring me a, a, a plastic shoes the ice green and gold plastic pl um, plastic shoes and i had to put a sock that was a suzuki Suzuki, that's it suzuki right <laughs> oh man well i used to rock suzuki bro I to beg my mother, I said, "Mommy, mommy, say no. That not for you." <laughs> Let me tell you, I used to rock Suzuki so bad that when my Suzuki burst, I would take my grandmother's knife, put it in the fire, in the fire, and pass it under the two the two thing, and stick back my Suzuki. Oh my Kids God. of today don't know that. They, they they never been through that. Where you have to try and sew back your own shoes because that's the only shoe you have, right? Okay. And, so you, so you met your dad. Yeah. You, you, your, your grandmother passes on and then you move to Portsmouth. Right. Now you're in, you're in high school now, right? Oh, uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> before, before, before you even go to there, um, because you see the thing about my mind is, right? Like my, like, um, you see, that's why I said I might take up to tomorrow. Because the thing about it is with a photographic memory, you, you remember things that happened to you in sequence. That's why it's just so easy for me to write my book because I remember everything that happened to me in sequence. And I remember up to today, I remember it detail for details. So to, to just go back a little while before I end up in Portsmouth, I failed common entrance twice. Right, I failed common entrance twice. Dr. Martin Christmas and I was in same class together, right? And these guys moved on. And I feel common entrance. At that time, I was I just I was doing athletics in Margaret. I was doing 
um, Shotokan Karate, Bagdo Karate by a guy by the name of King and then by the, a guy by the name of Potter Bruno. And that's where my first martial arts seed was planted doing back dog karate about nine and a half to eight and a half to nine and a half years old. And I met Potter when I was around 12 and a half to 13 years old. And I was doing Shotokan then. And that used to be my outlet because I used to be fighting a lot in school. Who introduced you to that? Huh? Who introduced you to martial arts? Well, you know who introduced me to martial arts? Watching running by your neighbor and then watching through their louvers because you don't have a TV at your home. <laughs> you don't have a TV at your home, so you have to go by the neighbor, right? And peep in the louvers, and you're watching them kung fu movies, and then you're excited after the kung fu movies, and you're going in your backyard and practice it. We call that backyard karate. <laughs> <laughs> so this, so that is where my martial arts journey began by watching through my neighbor's window. What did you, you what did you think of these people when you saw them on TV? Like, what did you think of those martial artists when you saw them on TV? Oh, I, I wanted to be like these guys. Like, I'll tell you, like, I had a couple, I had a couple, uh, I had a couple ro um, role models, you know, and I wanted to be like these guys. I wanted to be like Bruce Lee was my main guy. And then I had Van Damme and then I had um, Cynthia Rough Rock, who I get to meet after how many years? I get to meet her last week in Barbados. And then you had people like... Um, um billy blanks you know and then you had people like um rambo rambo was one of my favorite rambo used to give me power to go in the bush and and just behave like a barbarian you know what i mean but you know but um <laughs> you know so that was my martial arts journey that's how i started and then i remember one day i was by the bayside and i, I met my shudokan teacher he and his student was practicing and i walk up to him to the school day and i walk up to him and say would you teach me karate because i was just roaming the bayside and then he was like, no, I can't teach you. Why are you not in school? But yeah. I, I'm looking for food. I'm hungry. Ooh. I'm hungry I'm, and I'm going to fish so I can get food to go try and go back. And then he's like, no, I can't teach you. You should be in school, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, please, would you teach me? And I, didn't, I wouldn't leave. And then he's like, okay, if you want me to teach you, you go over there in the corner. I'm going to squat position, which is we call a horse stance, and count to 100. And I went and did that. You know, and I was like, okay, that's the test. Because for the Kung Fu movies, I was watching what they used to do, them, them guys, put them to sit down in a, in a horse stance, put them to sit down in a, in a stance for hours and hours. So I was like, that's easy. Then when I reached the first hundred, he gave me another hundred and another hundred. So that day I did about 500 in a horse stance. And then when he saw my determination, that's when he started teaching me. And, um, you know, and yeah, we became, he became like my father for a very long time. We used to spend a lot of time together. And he was one of the persons who gave me an opportunity to go back to school, my karate teacher. And um, yeah, so now I can move to Portsmouth. So after failing common entrance twice, then I went to GSP. And let me tell you, like I used to go and clean people, I used to go and clean people pig pen. I used to go and scrub people yard on my knees with, 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 um, with chlorine. I used to go and weed people yard. I used to go and make cocoa broom and go sell. I used to um, shoot my, go get my fish, shoot my fish, shoot my birds and go sell. And that's how I used to make a little dollar, $2, $3, so I can buy some bread and buy sugar and stuff like that. So after failing common entrance twice, I moved to, uh, to um, we call it um, 
was GSP. They don't have that program anymore. For tech people box. who would, tech buck, right? For people who were not academically inclined, they were just called it. Second chance. It was like your second chance at high school. It was your second chance. It was your second chance to enter high school. Yes, yes. Right. And then I failed that because I, I, I was fighting with my teacher for a walkman. <laughs> That's why I tell you, if you want to go, I could tell you details. Um, Brinker, Mr. Abraham, who is the principal of the West Secondary School now. And you know, it's good when you go to your country, like these guys turn around and they respect you and give you and they, they big you up, you know, because they remember where you came from and they saw you from nothing to something. That's, that's beautiful. You know what I mean? So anyway, I, I, I feel that. And I was kicked out in second form. Okay. Now I went to Foundation High School run by Mr. Martin Roberts. Those of you in Marigot, those of you in Wesley, you'll know Martin Roberts was a military man. And I used to go and clean Mr. Uh, Martin Roberts' pig pen. I used to go and clean his, his yard wife, his goat pen. And he told me, because he had, why don't I come to his school? And at the time, school fee was $40, right? School fee was $40 with him. And I said, sure, man, I want to come to your school. And I was excited because now I'm getting an opportunity to go to high school after failing common entrance two times. And um, I went there. I spent a year. That's where I start. I love, I start, I get in. Uh, well, to be honest with you, I used to go and carry bananas to pay my school fee because my grandmother couldn't pay it. Um, I used to go and carry bananas on my head um, for different people. And some of them would exploit me. Some of them would not give me the money. Some of them would give me half the money. Some of them would tell me everything. But I was the type of guy, you feed me and I would work for you for a mule. I would work for you like a mule. I would work for you tirelessly. So most of them, they know I was, I, I was growing up very humbly, very poor. So they would give me what you call sardine, the, the varico sardine, if you remember varico sardine, and the big dollar bread and my caco tea. And then I would tie my kata on my head. Kata is the thing you tie to put the fig on. And I would be carrying bananas for you all day long. And that's how I used to get my $40 to pay my school fee. Anyway, fast forward in that. When the time come, at that time, I still could hardly read and write. I was counting words, but I was doing a lot better. Um, I and I fail because I went to, this was the situation. The principal of the school said, those of you who have to go and carry bananas on the Thursday could go and do that. And you, when you come to school, you'll get the exam on the Friday. But I used to be in a gang, all right? I used to be in a gang of fellas that was just, them fellas, they would just beat you for fun. That's the type of guys I used to hang around with. And that's one of the reasons why I'm solo these days. I'm solo. Everybody who know me now, I'm always by myself because birds of a feather flock together. When you want to prosper, you got to cut certain friends and cut certain places and cut certain things, right? And I used to be in that gang. And the sad part about it, most of these people in that gang, I went to Margaret a couple of years ago. One or two of them are crazy. Two of them in prison. Um, I think I'm the only one that really make it. And I was the less fortunate one because all of these guys had their parents, had their mother, had rock in their shoes. And I wanted to be like them. That's the reason why I was in the gang looking for that love, right? What happened to you? Why you? So, so yeah. So to come back to that. So when I went to carry the bananas, because the principal said that these same guys took the opportunity not to go to school that day. So when I went back to school on the Friday, right? Instead of making me do my exam, the principal, Martin Roberts, he came to me and he said, 
oh, you guys plan not to go up to school today, um, yesterday, and um, you're not going to do the exam, you're going to be punished. And I'm like, no, sir, I was not with these guys. I didn't even know these guys didn't go to school. I was on my own trying to make money to pay my school fee. Oh, that's not an excuse. You have a detention. And back then, our detention was to go into the, in the, in the, in the agriculture field and either weed or dig planting hole or dig banana holes. So I was sent, instead of making me do my exam, I was sent to go and dig banana holes and planting holes together with the rest of the gangs because he thought that we, 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 we made a plan not to go to school. The dark school. But that time, that one, I, I, I was innocent. And I got so angry that the cutlers that they gave me, I cut, I cut down two coconut trees with a cutlass. And if you know how hard a coconut tree is, you will know the kind of energy. And my friends, they were going crazy. They think I was going mad. And I was so angry because I wanted to go back to school. I wanted to prove the people wrong. And every, everywhere I turn, is like, I'm just being faced with obstacles. Nothing is working out. Everybody's just looking down on me, taking advantage of me. And I was just so angry. And I cut two big coconut trees. I mean, like tall coconut trees with a cutlass, right? And anyway, the summer of that year came. Two weeks before school opened, the principal called me while I was cleaning his good pen. Yeah, listen. While I'm cleaning his good pen, he called me and said, you know what? Um, you're too old to be in second form, and um, I don't believe that uh, you can go, you will be accepted back in, 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 um, in high school. So technically, he's saying, you are expelled, right? So I was expelled because I went to make money to pay my school fees, right? <laughs> and man, there was nothing I could do. My grandmother couldn't help me. My father wasn't doing anything. So I was wondering what I was going to do. So St. Andrews High School, where God bless this woman, Miss Gloria Schillingford, and um, she was the, the power up for, for, for um, Wesley right now. Yeah. And that lady, she's a very, very good lady. I don't know what nobody could say, but this lady, everything that you see of me today, education-wise, this lady gave me that opportunity in terms of education-wise. And I went to St. Andrews High School, and I was begging this lady, Ms. Gloria Schillingford, to enter into high school. And she said, well, did you pass common entrance? I said, no. She said, well, did you pass GSP? I said, no. I said I was kicked out, but I want to go back to school because I want to make myself proud and make my country proud and prove everybody who say I can't do it wrong. And she said, well, I can't help you. I said, who can? She said, well, nobody will help you. No school in Dominica will help you. Because back in the days, you, you had to pass GSP. You had to pass common entrance to enter into public high school. And um, no school in Dominica would take me. And I remember going back to this lady two weeks straight on her doorstep, just sitting on her doorstep. And every time she come out of her office, I'll be asking and asking and asking. And then she got fed up with me one day. And she said, um, would you like to go school to, in Portsmouth? And I said, yes, you know, I don't care. I'll go school anywhere. You know, because my grandmother didn't care neither. My father don't care. My mother don't care. So <laughs> I am the only one that have to care for myself, right? So she said, okay, I'm going to make a phone call. So I, I passed around the back of the school and I sat down under the window <laughs> and I marked her in. <laughs> and I listened to the conversation. So she called up the principal, who's another great woman, Miss um, um, McGlaw of the Seventh-day Adventist Secondary School. God bless this woman's soul. They, they umbrella my education, right? 
Uh, even notice I'm giving credit where credit is due because I, that's why I'm a very big fan of integrity today. And a lot of people, when they make it, they forget where they came from and they don't give credit where credit is due. And that is very, very sad, right? Mm -hmm. But anyway, she called up Miss um, Maglore and she's on, on the phone with Miss Maglore and I'm listening under the window and she's telling Miss Maglore, I have a little black boy here. And this boy, um, he best time me for... Sorry, my phone. He's pestering me. He's pestering me for 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 two weeks now to go to school, and I, I can't help him. Um, will the Seventh Adventist Secondary School take him? And Miss Maglo, being a kind-hearted lady, saying, "Well, you know what? Send him down to me, and I and I will give him an interview, and we'll see how it works." So I run back to the front, sat down on the step, pretending like I didn't know what was going on, and then she come back out and say, "Um, I just called the principal of Seventh Day Secondary School. You have to go down next Friday." It was, a, it was not, sorry, not next Friday, the Monday. It was a Friday, Saturday. So the Friday, the Sabbath, and then the Monday. So she said, you have to go down the Monday. At that time, I had a BMX. I had a BMX bike. And um, I rode my bike for 26 miles from Maragot to Portsmouth. Wow. Right? Yeah, I rode my BMX bike because I didn't have money to pay the bus fare. I rode my BMX bike from Maragot to Portsmouth. And... Huh? Oh, do? I oh man, you don't want to know. I used to go in all kind of junkyard and take piece of bike by there, piece of bike by there, and, and make my bike. No, I was like MacGyver. <laughs> Somebody might say BMX bike. How you poor and you have BMX bike? Why are you gonna be? Well, let me tell you something. I will tell you. I had a I had I had a BMX bike because I used to work in a body shop. I was I was eleven and a half years old and I was working in a body shop. So I used to do a little bit of welding, arc welding. So when someone threw away their old bike frame, I would take that, go in the body shop, weld that. Then I would go and look for, back in the days, bicycle was a big thing. So I would, I used to go and look for old tires. Sometimes you could see the little needle coming out of the tire because I couldn't afford to buy tires. Then I had only one brakes, which was the front brakes. And the neck of the bike, when you press the brakes, the neck's going to get, because it's not stable, right? And then I had my, my tube. Sometimes I would get a tube, an old tube from a friend, who had a better bike than me and I would go and I would take the, the rope from the, from the, from the fig, fig bag and I would tie the hole. You understand? Sometimes my tube have three, four holes and I would tie it with the rope. You understand? And, and I would go and pump that up and that was how I built my bike. I can laugh now because it made me become very innovative, you know, and creative. Okay, so you so, your BMX bike to Portsmouth. Uh, to Portsmouth. As you're going high <laughs> Because I, I go in high school. So when I went to my mom, that, that's when I first get into real connection with my mom after a very long time. Okay. So I went to my mom and I said, mom, I'm, I'm going to go to high school, but I'm under 18. You have to come with me. And my mom started panicking. Oh, why are you going to get money to pay high school? Where are you going to get money? I don't have money. How come you coming down and thing and this and that and that and that and that? And my mom, oops, sorry. Uh, sorry about that. And my mom, and my mom started tripping. And I said to my mom, look, mother, all you need to do is come with me and I will pay my way. That's it. Just come with me and I'll pay my way. I don't need you to do nothing else for me. You you're, just you're have to pay. 12, right? No, I was, um, at that time, I was uh, 15. At that time, I was about 15, 15 and a half, thereabout. Okay. Right? Because I left high school when I was 21 years old. Wow. <laughs> I left high school as a big man in 2001, man. Wow. Right? <laughs> so <laughs> when all my friends that's why i said to you when all my friends left high school at 15 16 i was still in high school so fast forward and she came with me and normally you have to do a, an exam to go into the 
the Seventh-day Adventist Secondary School, but not knowing to read and write properly and not having a level. I know the work, but I can't understand the work. I knew I was going to fail this exam. And then I had an exam anxiety whenever I go into an exam room because of constant failing. And, but the principal at the time, she made one comment. She said, you know, well, you're already 15 years old and third form is already full up and I'm not sure if we can take you, but if you pass the exam, we'll try something. So I look at her and I said, miss, excuse me, put me back in second form and I will work my way up. So when I tell people I go to second form three times, Wow. Three times I've been to second form. So second form, for those of you who are listening, that's what, grade 10? That's grade 10. So I've been to grade 10 three times in my life, right? One time at GSP, fail. One time at second, uh, Martin Foundation High School, failed, then expelled, and then at Seventh-day Adventist Secondary School. And when she, when she heard that, she looked at me and she's like, what? You, you're not normal. You know, so I asked her what she mean, because she said, no, children don't want to be double. I said, man, I just want an opportunity. All I need is one chance. Mm-hmm. And that's why I always get that one chance. That's why I get that motto, all you need is one chance. And to make the greatest of that chance and make the greatest that you can be and to be the person that you ought to be, right? And then she was very baffled by that statement. She was very baffled by my comment. And she said, you know what? Okay, you're going to have to get your school clothes and get your books and get your school fee. Now I ask her, how much was the school fee? She said, $190. I said, like, what? I'm like, I could hardly pay $40. I know. How am I going to pay $190? But anyway, my determination was like, to hell with that. I know I couldn't ask my mother. And by that time, my grandmother was very sick. So I know I was going to ask her. I know my father wasn't going to do it. So anybody anyway, I went to my father and before I went to my father, sorry, I went back to Margaret, ride my bike again, back to Margaret, because at that time I was accepted. I was given a free tie. That's why when I was leaving the seven Adventist secondary school, I gave away my school tie because when I was coming into seven, somebody gave me a tie. Wow. <laughs> so I was, somebody blessed me with a tie. So I blessed somebody else with a tie when I was leaving school. And so that's why I have always have been a, always been a giving pe- person because when people give, you have to give back and your cup will always be, be replenished, always be overflowing with greatness, right? We so anyway, we have some feedback coming in. I want to take the feedback because I don't want to. Yeah. Um, it doesn't say you're such an inspiration and a role model. I am proud of you and your achievement. Uh, you and your experience should be used as a beacon of hope to young people. <laughs> I strongly recommend that you write a book. Um, uh, we have a few people. Um, Ron Bly saying, bless bless my brother. Keishon Flora is also saying, sending blessings your way. Uh, yes. uh, somebody else is saying, um, Martina is saying a very inspiring story. Martina is hailing from, from New York City. So she's locked in. Kamisha Henderson must share. Um, so we have, we're getting a, a bit of feedback. Um, and I just want to encourage, um, if, you, if you're actually viewing the show right now, to hit share so that somebody else can get in and somebody else can know his story. Because I think he's, it's, it's hard for you not to want to cry even listening to you talk. <laughs> I try not to, that's the reason why I'm laughing. Because I should. <laughs> Man. You know, um, it, it's a very, 
story, you know? Man, and- I'll tell you, man, Jail, I'm not even going into the depth of things, you know? I'm not even going into the depth of things because some of it is just too emotional to speak about. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, so, you, so you went through high school and you, you, you came out of it a better person. Um, when you decided that you're going to focus on the martial arts aspect of it, of life, why did you decide that you want to get heavily into martial arts to even go as far as teaching martial arts? Well, I was always, I, was, I always knew I was going to be some kind of teacher because even when I was negative, even when I was in, my, in the gang and all of that, I was always the leader. I was always the one instigating something. I was always the one going and teeth the bananas. I was always the one why, going and teeth. Why the man believe that all you make <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was always the I was always the instigator back then. So even when I was negative, you know, I was I was very I was very influential and uh, you know and I was fearless. That's why my nickname back then used to be Chateau, which means octopusy for those of those who don't know what a Chateau is. And it's because I was I was flexible. I would I would pass in any hole. I remember while I was in Adventist Secondary School, I used to be in the school and I would stay back in the dormitory and I would climb for a little hole to tea food in the kitchen in the in the dormitory in that the Adventist Secondary School so I could eat so I could do my homework because my mom didn't want me you know in her she's always it was always argument at home it was always problem it was always stress when she drunk and she and my stepfather fighting it was a whole bunch of it was just a disaster in my house right. So I remember, you know, yeah, man, I remember, so I, I, karate, when I first started karate, I, two reasons. One, I wanted to be an assassin. I wanted to just kill everybody who hurt me. I'm telling you straight off the bat, right? I, I you know, and, and that's my main goal. When I, yeah, I didn't want, I didn't want, because I didn't have mother love. I didn't have father love. I didn't have girlfriend. Nobody, nobody wanted me. So just put me in a place. Let me kill people for a living. Let's kill all. You want somebody dust off? You call me and I do the job. That was that was my that was my that was my anger, my hurt, my pain speaking back then. But that wasn't the true me. That was just me trying to retaliate to something that was going on in my life. Because I'll tell you, when I was seven and a half years old, I was molested. Most people don't know that. Now I can talk about it because I'm big enough to speak about it and I'm strong enough to. I've come to peace and I've forgiven these people and I have. You know, and <laughs> I didn't want to go down that road because I don't want to bring back that kind of vibe. You know what I mean? But I, I, I that's I feel for people who've been in those situations, and 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 uh, it's really wow, man. Okay, so you decided you're gonna become a martial artist. Yeah, so I, I wanted to kill you for a living, and I, I, I mean. That 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 notion stayed there for a very long time. And I used to train hard. I used to train and I used to learn the anatomy of the body. I used to learn how to do all of those things and so on. That's how I get into massaging and how I get, I get into the healing of things because I, I know the body very well. But what really strike me in not becoming the person, the, that type of person, because martial arts wasn't about killing people or hurting people. Martial arts was about bettering yourself, being the best person that you can be, expressing yourself in a positive way. And... The Seventh Day Adventist Secondary School and martial arts helped to groom me because I, I used to party a lot. From nine years old, I was in a disco, wow. right, with my grandmother. Every Friday night, I was in a in a in a, in a club, right, because my grandmother wasn't leaving me behind. That was one thing I could say. She wasn't leaving me for nobody. So no matter where she go, drunk or not, she was taking me with her. 
and I and that's why I free spirited and I I dance well and I because it's in my blood, right? <laughs> it's in my blood. But uh, that's what I'm saying, man. I, I'm just giving you flashes, man, like flashes. And you know, like uh, so, the seven Adventist secondary school say you can't do carnival. You go carnival, you're gonna get detention and whatever. And I didn't want to get that. I got a detention one time in my lifetime. And I said, never again, because when I went to the Seventh-day Adventist Secondary School, there was a particular teacher who told me, you will never make it to fifth form because I was so rude and, and ill-disciplined. And I said, what? Here we go again. These people tell me I can't make it. And I said, I told her, look, I'm going to prove you wrong. All right. And then another teacher said to me the same thing. I said, look at me. I'm going to prove you guys wrong. And so that started motivating me. And I used to be doing all the different sports in school, basketball, athletics, volleyball. And I remember I alone make my whole club win because I didn't like to lose back then. I wasn't a loser. I never had a loser mentality. I always had, I'm a winner mentality, all right? That's me. I always had a winner mentality. And I remember running and doing all the race for my house, for my school club and won. That you, I was in Blue House, right? And the Adventist secondary, and I went to secondary school without, to the seventh Adventist secondary school without those people knowing my pain, knowing what I was going through. Because I always had a smile on my face. I was always bigging up somebody. I was always encouraging somebody. I was always there to show somebody love in spite of my situation and what I was going through, you know? And Nobody knew until the day when I got to 12th grade or fifth form when I was leaving school and then we had what we call confession because it's a Christian school. And when I started telling people what I was going through, now you may ask yourself, how did I get to pay my school fees? I get to pay my school fees because I was working four jobs while going to school. I used to work at Woodsy Pizza. I used to work at Longhouse. I used to paint people's houses and I used to go scrubbing people's yard. And you can put that one five. I used to go and wash bus. All right, Mr. Baba, my Baba, they will tell you, I used to be washing their bus by the side of the road for $5. I remember that. Yep. I remember because I was <laughs> friends with Medallia. Yes. I was, okay. homework. Yep. I, I was, yep. Say that. I yep. remember you washing bus. <laughs> I used to wash, I used to wash bus by the side of the road. But I, used to, I was the one I used to wash Mr. Baba bus every Saturday. Sometimes twice a week, so I could make a little money and so on. And I used to go paint their house. They used to give me the, to go scrub their yard and so on like that. Sometimes my baba would lock me in her shop so I could do my homework because I couldn't do it at home because my mom is always an argument, is always a fight, is always something. And yeah, and that and you know so and that was the stuff. But coming back to the martial arts part of it, so that's how I I I started. So I said to myself, if I can be negative. And I have such a good influence in school. Why not be positive? Because I was such a bad, troublesome boy in school that the principal would just take me and lock me in her office to sit down. She would, she would show up where she wasn't punishing me anymore because she just realized I was looking for attention. And, and things would be your punishment. Yeah. So she just decided she wasn't punishing me anymore. So she would just lock me in her room to sit down. You know, and we would chat and stuff like that. And, you know, because I used to I used to sing a lot of dance hall. I wanted to always be like Asa Banton and these guys. But back in the days, they didn't have no opportunities for that. And I wasn't going to do nothing where I can't prosper. Because my whole notion is to prove my village wrong. To prove them wrong. Make them respect me. So, yeah, so I used to work. And you're done. And huh? you pay your school fee and you complete high school. Yeah. When you were confessing, what did you say? 
No, well, I told them where I came from. I told them what I used to do. I told them how much jobs I was working. I told them how I used to come to school with no no food. Um, I confess going into the into the dormitory and passing through the hole and teething the food in the dormitory. And because I I I I had to do what I had to do, boss man. You know what I mean? And everybody started crying and everybody just an emotional thing and you know. But we became tighter, you know. And I was always the guys helping people. So one of the ways that I learned to read and write properly was to help other people to read and write. So everything I learned, there was two guys that I used to go and help show them, you know what I mean? What I learned. So that helped me to, yeah. So that always helped me to be a, a given person. So that is not just of recent. That's from since I was young. Right. And um, yeah. So well, Shannon, Shannon, I want to, I want to find out for me because yeah. You- that's so many different things, right? Now. I know, right? <laughs> Tell me, how many things can you do or you do in order to make revenue? I, I want to just, just right off the top of your head. Okay. People are hearing you talking, and I know I know some of them already, right? but I know there's more. <laughs> so tell okay, me, well, what do you do for a living besides martial arts? Okay. So besides martial arts... I'm a licensed farmer, right? Okay. I'm, a mas- I'm a masseuse. Mm-hmm. I'm a motivational speaker. Mm-hmm. I'm a consultation for small businesses that want to improve their employees and so on. Mm-hmm. I was a high school teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm an architect. <laughs> I have um, my company construction. And in construction, I could do tiling, plumbing, furniture making, carpentry work, framing, steelwork, drywalling. I could do, um, now I'm doing sewing. <laughs> Why did you pick up sewing? Why did you pick up sewing? It's something that I always loved. And um, I have been speaking to a few martial artists of old school who keep saying they used to make a uniform. And I remember back in school, I had to choose between sewing and food and nutrition. But because I love food so much, I, I chose food. And yeah, and I, 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 I've been sewing for the past couple of, um, I just bought my machine. So man, I do so many things. Like I tell people, whatever my hand can touch must turn into gold. As simple as that. Also being a stuntman for the movies. And a stuntman for the movies. Um, um, painting. Painting. Fisherman. But I, it's so many things I do, I can't, I can't keep count. Because you see, when I was younger, the thing about it is when I was younger, people believe you have to set one goal and work towards that. Life is not designed like that, mm-hmm. right? If you look at every rich millionaire, if you look at Donald Trump, if you look at Bill Gates, you look at all these other guys who are multimillionaires, you will look and you'll see they have over five streams of income coming in. So if you want to break poverty and you want to break poverty very seriously and you want to get out of the rat race in a certain way, you, ha- you, can't de- you can't rely on just one source of income. And I am the type of guy, I learned this lesson from a Taiwanese man. At the time, he was the Taiwanese representative for Dominica back then. And he said to me when I went and asked him for money to go pay for my black belt exam, yes, I, I beg. That's why I built my martialist career from begging, knocking from door to door, asking for money. And when I asked that guy, he said to me, you have a skill. And he said to me, a man with a skill shall never go hungry and will never die and is worth a million dollars. And I was about 21 years old, one year before I committed suicide. And he never, I, I never forgot that. 
you attempted to commit suicide. No, I didn't attempt, princess. I did it. I was in a coma for 24 hours. So I die and come back. Many people don't know that either. <laughs> Wait. That's what I'm telling you. If you you're going to stay until tomorrow morning, man. Like, so, so what was going on in your head at that time? <sighs> I was always an optimistic kind of person. I was always giving my soul. I was always selfless. I was always putting people before me. And to be honest with you, um, I, gonna, I, I don't want to go down into 100% details, but there was a few people in my life that I looked up to and they were not giving me the love that I was looking for. They were not giving me time of day and I was doing my best to make them proud. Like my mom, my girlfriend, one of my karate teacher, I will not go into details with that one. Um, basically these three people, my father was, I didn't care much, but these three people, I wanted to, to, to just make them happy and make them, I was doing everything to make them happy. And they just took everything I did for granted. They always said, they, they, they never appreciate nothing. And I was like, you know what? And then my grandmother, who I really love, had just passed away not too long ago. So all that pain from my grandmother dying, knowing that she's dying from alcohol, because I used to tell her, don't, don't drink and she's going to die from it. And knowing, telling her that that's what's going to kill her and she still died from that. So putting all of those things and all the, the pain that I was going through, having to go beg, knocking from door to door to pay my school fees, to, to make money, having to work. So all of that overwhelmed me. And I remember coming home at that time I was in college. At that time I, it was called uh, Dominica, Clifton Community College, mm -hmm. right? With the green and black. And I remember, I remember, yeah. And I remember going, while I was in college, I remember doing a bet where I climb a coconut tree and come down by my head climb it up like this way and come down upside down. And I bet $50 I could do that. And I made that $50. At that day, I could have died. And I come home with that $50. And um, at that time, oh, man. So <laughs> anyway, long story short, I came home and I met argument in the house. People arguing, people this. And then everybody started arguing with me. I'm hungry coming from school because I had to be hitchhiking from Roseau to Portsmouth, bombing ride, and I'm hungry. And I'm coming home with this $150 to give to my mom so she can, and, and everybody's in a, in a chaos. And, every, and I'm like, remember saying to myself, you know what? My grandmother died. There's no point living. And if that's how you want me to be, then that's what is going to happen. And I remember just walking out and I buy, well, I don't remember drinking free bottles. They said I drank free bottles. At that time, I, I don't know if you remember nitrine. And nitrine is, was very potent then. And on a hungry stomach, drinking free bottle of nitrine. And I was like, I'm yep, I am like, I'm going to kill myself just like my grandmother. That's how she died. So I drank free. Well, I, I honestly, I don't remember drinking free bottle. I remember drinking a bottle and a half. And I remember sitting between two steps and that was it. Right. And the next thing I know, ambulance was called. And Ma Baba was one of the person medallions. People was one of the people who gave me the story. Told me my foot was already turning purple, black, whatever. And they had to flush me, rush me to the ambulance. Took me, rush me to the hospital. And then I woke up on that hospital bed the next day, twenty four hours after, because that was like happened like six o'clock the day before. The six the next day that happened. And I remember when I woke up, my girlfriend was there. My pastor was there because I'd just gotten baptized. Maybe that's why I didn't die. God was looking at me. Um, my pastor was there. My mom was there. 
And, um, you know, I remember telling my pastor that I don't want to see these people because they were the cause of everything, you know? And I made a vow on the hospital bed and I said in front of them to the pastor, um, Pastor Lewis at the time from Church of Christ, and I said to him, look, from this day forward, none of these stuff will ever happen to me ever again. And all the people who want to see me dust off, that's the word I used to use because, you know, my dialect. I say all the people who want to see me dust off means all the people who want to see me die. They're going to see me live. And I'm going to live so big and so wide that they wouldn't be able to contain themselves. And that was a broad thing for everybody. And I, I, I told my mom, I don't want to see her. I don't want to speak to her. And that's when I disconnected from my mom for about over nine months. And I left my girlfriend. I left everybody. And I ended up in a house in Grand Bay, in Hagley, in a little old house. Man, like, <laughs> oh, you don't want to go down. I, <laughs> I'm laughing because it's so much emotion. Yeah, no, we need another. We need. I need. I run out of tea. Like, I'm not even like. like, like I, I warn you, man. I warn you. Like, it's, it's so much, uh, so much stuff. Sorry, my phone keeps falling because I'm charging at the same time. Uh, it's so much stuff that that is so much, so much, so much, and um. I don't like talking about it because it's very emotional. It's, it's, it's very, but I, I want to talk about it because it's, I want my life to be an inspiration for other people. I, but I don't live for, I don't live for myself anymore. I think I'm God's greatest miracle. That's why I said that in the beginning of the movie, I believe like I am Job, you know, and all the things that you can think about has happened to me. And then I'm still turned out to be the person that I am. And that's why I tell young people, don't limit yourself. Don't limit yourself to what you can do. Don't limit yourself to where you can go and the things that you can accomplish in your life. And it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter if your mom or your dad is there for you. The most important thing is that they didn't come with an abortion. Your dad didn't put his sperm in a, in a, in a, in a bag. He gave you life. You are, you, you are one of hundreds of millions of sperm and you'll beat all these people in darkness. You'll beat these people in darkness. Because inside there is slippery, it's dark, it's funny, it's just dark. And then you, and then, you and then, like experience. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, and then, well, I am talking from experience. And then you live, and then you live underwater for nine months. Yeah. And then you, you, then you get a breakthrough and then you see life and you see the world. And all of a sudden you want to go and believe you're less and you want to believe you're nothing. And you want to believe that you know, everybody owe you something. Nobody owe you something but yourself. And this is what I believe, you know? So regardless of... Right? Say what? Greatness comes from you. Greatness comes from you. The healing power inside of you. Yes. Oh, I think, um, yeah, he's been trying to, like, charge his phone. So I'm going to get him back on, don't you worry. I'm going to get him back on. going to get him back on. Here we go. Here we go. Yes. Are you there? I told me get cut off a bit. Just for two seconds. Hello. I'm here. I'm here. Can you hear me? Hello. Hear me? I'm here. We seeing you. Hello. We're seeing you. Can you hear me? Hello. 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 <laughs> Hello. <laughs> we can see you. Uh, I don't know. Hello. I'm here. Let me just get him out and 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 see if I can get him back in. Um. Yes, uh, we're talking with. Hello. Um, can you see me? I'm back. Hello, hello. 
I'm back. I don't know if you can see me. Um, technical difficulty right now, so we just got disconnected from him. Um, and we're trying to connect again. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm just letting you know that he can connect back. I that I can see him. Um, he can hear you. Okay, so um, guys. I want you to share this video. So if you're if you're listening, um, I want you to sh hit the share button on the video. Um, we're trying to get we're gonna try and get him back on. Uh, let's see, let's see if uh, if this works again. You Hello, me? you there? Okay, let's try it. Let's try. I don't know what's going on. He's having a hard time seeing me, so he's gonna um try and reconnect back with um with Channel Robin. Uh, such an inspirational um, story, such such an inspirational young man, um, and you know you'd be you'd during uh, Hurricane Maria, Shannon did some of the most amazing things, you know, um, uh, that you could ever ever think of. Um, I'm trying to get him back in. You there? I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Yeah. Stop moving. I'm here. Right. <laughs> right. I, was just, I was just telling you know the viewers and and the folks listening, you know, um, you did one, you, you did some of the amazing things, some amazing things during Hurricane Maria. You know? Oh man! And and um, one of the first things, first of all, we, I think you, myself, there were probably about ten people who actually had access to internet. Yeah. Uh, and data during that time. So a lot of people were contacting us. A lot yeah. of people were like, they wanted to find their family because not too many people had data. And I remember looking at a video of you telling people how to use water, how to bathe <laughs> with one bottle of water. <laughs> so I was dying. Like Dr. Nesty and I, we sat there and we were just like, how to, how to take a bath with one bottle of water. <laughs> And how to wash yourself. And I was on the floor, you know, <laughs> laughing and stuff. And, and I think videos like that really kept people motivated and oh, yeah. during uh, Maria, because when Maria happened, and you really were stuck with one bottle of water, you knew exactly what to do. Because I think the yep. videos came, we did the videos um around the time of Irma. Erica. No, oh. Erica. Erica, yes, and yeah, the people back and people were sharing them. Yeah, <laughs> what for you to do? But besides that, you were very vocal on Facebook. You uh, um, you 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 petitioned for relief. You got you you gathered people up, uh, and you were able to to get um help from your your fellow uh, men outside of Dominica. You know, friends in the martial martial arts group, uh, and and get food. How did you do all that? Let me tell you something. You know, like, I'm the type of guy, like, I make things happen. I don't sit down and ask and wonder what stuff is going to happen. I make things happen. I come from a life where I make things happen and things have to happen, right? And that's where I get very serious. And um, I remember, let's backtrack a little bit. When Erica happened, right, I remember my student and I hiking through all these landslides from Roseau to um, Pitit Savan. It took us over nine hours to hike to Pitsavan with just crackers, biscuit, and one sardine. Share in between 
one pack of crackers biscuit and one sardine, two sardine, share in between the two of us. Actually, we had one, we eat, we only eat one. It was so bad that we were walking and dirt through the mudslide was reaching us above our knees, up to our waist, and it was raining. And when we got to Pitit Savan, we met some police officer from SSU that was hungry because the food was late, lit up in the bush. And we were helping these guys. And I remember giving my one tin of sardine to these police officers. And then I told them all the different people that I met along the way and all the different things that I meet and all the different things. And I told the people, I'm going to go get help for you. And they trust me and they told me their stories and I saw where they were. And I had to go because I've always been, if you ask a fire service in Dominica, if a fire break out and I'm wrong, I'm going to take the hose. I think I can fight more fire than any fireman in Dominica. If, if, if there's a crime going on and the police need help, I will jump on board and assist the police. Because I have martial arts is about righteousness. It's about what is right, doing what is right. For the loved one's country, what is right. And I remember just help, just going out. I mean, I get bashed for it, saying I'm looking for publicity. But people, these people didn't know who I am. If they really knew me, they would, not, they would realize that I will do those things. Anyway, so uh, this is why I felt that I had to help these people and I had people from te Mexico, um, not, not Mexico, it's from Texas, from, man, I had people from all over the United States messaging me about my lantern with the water and oil. And, and, and so many people thanked me and said, man, that video had 2.9 million views, right, on Facebook alone, not even YouTube. And at that time, I didn't even know you could get paid for doing stuff like that on YouTube. But it wasn't about getting paid. It was right. about just helping people. It was about sharing your knowledge. Because when you grow up poor and you... Oh how to do the, the fire with husband. yeah because because that's why i used to get my i didn't I, there was many times i didn't have light and i had to have a lantern to study my work right so when you when you grow up poor when the time of disaster come those life-saving elements that you have learned come back into effect but the people who have grown up fortunate and they had everything given to them on a platter. They don't know how to survive. And I feel as a martial artist, my job is to go out there and to help people to survive, to overcome the natural disaster that is gonna come, right? Because that's just the way it's supposed to be for me, right? And during Maria, I, when Maria hit, I was out here, I lost my home, I went home homeless. That's the third time I've been homeless in my life, <laughs> right? I, I, third time I've been homeless. And, um, you know, I remember contacting people from Switzerland, Germany, um, New York, and all of these people. They said, you know what, man, I've been following you on Facebook. I've seen what you do. I trust you. All you need to do is just send us the pictures to make sure you do what you say you're going to do. And I said, yes. And I remember going to take my shots. And I remember going and do all the shopping and everything like that. And, man, I, it, was a diff it was a disaster getting to Dominica. I, and, and I'm... I'm going to give you a scenario. So I went down to Dominica with over $2,000 worth of food. No clothes. No clothes, just food, right? Over $2,000 worth of food. And I couldn't, they told me Leah could take one flight. And when I get to Antigua, Leah tell me, no, I can't fly to Antigua. Um, to Dominica because there's no flight. Whoever given information was lying. I said, man, all I, look, this food, there's no even, I don't even have clothes. I only have food to go help people. And they said, nope, we can't help you. We can only take those who are coming away from Dominica. We can't take you into Dominica. So I had to go and buy on my own money. I had to go and buy a plane ticket from Antigua to St. Lucia. And then from St. Lucia, 
I had to carry the, the thing on my head because I, I, my money was running out and I didn't have money for a taxi. But there, there was a guest house not too far at, from the airport. And I carried these luggages. I have the pictures on my head, right, to this guest house. And then a, a guy saw me doing that. And then he said, to, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm going to Dominique and I'm trying to help people and I have food and I don't have money. So he put me on his little a car and took me to the, to, to the, to rest, the rest of the way. Anyways, long story short, buy the ticket again, another ticket to go on the boat. Then when I get to the boat, that was a disaster. Everything they say was happening was wrong. And I remember the, the people wanted me to leave my food in St. Lucia. They say, you can't go. I said, man, I'm going to help people. I thought you're supposed to be helping people. Anyway, I was very so, I was so angry. I was going to do a documentary about it. I just left it alone. I was so angry to the point where... The guy wanted me to leave the food behind, my two suitcases of food. And then when we got to Martinique, he's taking on a whole bunch of vehicles. I said, which one is more important, vehicles or human life? Anyway, I just leave that alone. And I came to Dominica, and then I had one of my students who was helping me. I had a truck, and I went to get a pass. And do you know, big Sheehan going to the police station to get a pass, and they refused to give me a pass to go help the people. And the, the officer said to me, I don't know if she was having a bad day. I don't know you. And what hurt me, I saw a guy came from New York with his accent and got a pass within five minutes. I remember and, you said something about that on Facebook. And I was, I was, man, that was hurtful. But anyway, I'm like, you know what? I'm a resentment person. I don't give up, right? So I took my student and then we were going around that time. So people were keeping sending the money. So as they send the money, I go and I buy. So I took the boat, go to Martin, to, to Guadeloupe, buy stuff, come back. And then I had one of my students who was in Guadeloupe, in, 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 in yeah, Guadeloupe at the time. She helped me to buy some stuff, come back down. Then I went to Calabishi where there was a supermarket and I spent a whole bunch, couple thousand dollars there just because I wanted to support my people. And I was just going around the island helping people with just one truck, my student, nobody, no help, nothing. And only to find out in, in that process, we helped my student and I, because he was my driver, we helped almost 2,000 people within two weeks. And all that time, I had lost my house. 65% of my apartment was damaged. My dojo was 65% damaged. I left all that behind. Because when I get to Dominica and I saw the state of my building and I saw the state that I have nothing, to be honest with you, I go insane for a couple, a couple, a couple hours. For three days straight, Oh, man i worked and it was just gone for three days straight i went straight by one pot and all i was drinking was brandy <laughs> i can laugh about it now because it, it is what it is and people believe you don't because you're worried you don't you don't go for stress but when you work so hard to build something and you see it vanish within like that you get a, you get a nervous breakdown you know and it, but my way of recovering from that was to go and help people. Because when I went to help other people, I realized I'm not the only one in that situation. There were people in the same situation or worse than I was. And that built my courage. And for two weeks, I was just helping people, going and build their roof, going and help them, going and bring food for them, water for them, whatever. There was a lady right next to me. I used to go and help her to, to dash water from inside her house and not doing nothing at my home. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I remember even the food that I brought for me, I was give it, I give it away, you know? And then when the Muslim had their thing, I was helping to control people and to give out things. Because, you know, by, I mean, by that time, people respect who I am and, and they appreciate who I am and stuff. So it wasn't a very difficult thing to help. And I would do it, I would do it again. You know what I mean? Your countrymen view you today. Say what? 
how do you think your countrymen view you today? Well, you know what? I don't really care how my countrymen view me. No. I only care how I view myself. And if they were smart, they would view me as somebody special who has done a lot to help people. Um, I hope they are. And I hope they are viewing me in a positive way. But the point I'm trying to say, I'm saying that to say that even if they don't view me how they want to view me, I will still be me and I'll still do what I do because I just who I am. It's just in my blood. I can't stop. You know what I mean? So I don't really rely on on people and what they think about me to make a difference in other people's life. I only rely on the greatness that I have and the power that God has given me to do the things, the gifts that God has given me to do the things, to reach out, to help one, reach one, teach one. And as a martial artist, as a Sheehan, as a, sen- as a, as a senior rank, you know, as a founder of a system, I think it is my responsibility and to, my duty to help the less fortunate. And that's what true martial arts is about. It's about being humble and helping the people that really need. It's not about making money. It's about really helping people. Okay, we have we have something here from Father Sharpless. Our Father Sharpless say is saying this is such a moving and profound story that only God could have carried him through. This story is meant oh, yeah. for preparation for him. I remember presenting at his mom's funeral and was very inspired uh, when he organized um, his mom's funeral. Thank you. Thank God for ensuring he survived through this painful passing so he could share it with the world today. Mr. Robin, God bless you, and keep telling your story. And that's coming from Father Shapis, who is in Canada as well. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, we should link up, man. We should link up. Thank you, Father Chaplis. Yeah, when my mom died, I, you know, like I said to you, like I lived my life to prove my mom that I was going to be the best version and I was going to prove her wrong. Sadly, she hasn't seen me become so great, but she saw me starting the journey. And I remember my mom never wanted me to do martial arts. She never cared. She never saw me do martial arts. And you know what? Um, my yeah, mom, sure. wherever she is now, I think she, she's very proud. And if she's looking down at me or she's looking at me from across the room or wherever she's looking at me from, I know she's proud because I made her proud. I live my life to make her proud. And that's why I always tell parents, I tell children, forgive your parents. When my mom was on the dying bed, I went to the hospital and I forgave her. I said, mom, I forgive you. And at that yeah, time she, could, she couldn't speak. And um, I know she wanted to say that she loved me. You know, I know she wanted to say certain things, but I, I said to her, it's okay, you don't need to tell me. And I, I told her, you know what, I'll take care of my little sister and I'll do that and do that. And, you know, I had good backup from my karate student and parents. You know, my students carry her coffin. I give her the best send off. And, you know, sadly, the people I was expecting to help didn't help. Even some of her friends, I remember all the flowers came from me, except for one little flower that came from somebody else. But all the beautiful flowers came from me. And I was just going to give my mother the best send-off. The most beautiful time I saw my mother was when she was in the casket. And that's a very sad story to say, because my mother was a very down-to-earth. She don't care. She wear rags. She don't care. And I, I didn't really like it, but, you know, that's who she were. Mm-hmm. And when I saw my mom in that casket with that beautiful... It's in my documentary, The Humble Master's Journey. and. Um, Man, wow, Father Chapel, you bring back memories. I didn't want to go touch that, but you know, Do you have any regrets? <laughs> huh? Do you have any regrets in my life? No, to be honest with you, I have no regrets. I, I don't do things that I don't want to do, and if I had to live my life over, I would do it exactly the same way because it, it has made me the man that I am today, it has made me the person that I am today. And I know people say you must have at least one regret, 
the only regret, if I, if I had to have a regret, if I had to say I had a regret, I was born in the wrong part of the world. Because all these great people out there, they're not that different from me. They're not that better than me. They just have an opportunity that I never had. Because with my drive and my work, if I were, if back then, well, it's not too late. You know, hoping that, you know, look, 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 the Martial Arts Hall of Fame just took place and more will come. You know, but I'm just saying back in the days, if someone, I was exposed to certain opportunities, then who knows who I, I might, I mean, I might be the next Michael Jordan or the next Bruce Lee or the next, or the next, you know, Jackie Chang or the next whoever, right? But, but the problem is, the point is I had to be who I am to prepare me for this journey. And I'm happy for where I am. So I don't really have a regret. I don't have a regret. I... What what's in store? What's in store for you? What what what's what happens next? I never know what's happening next. Everybody asks me the question. I never know. I I, I live. You live like a bird on a tree. <laughs> I live. I, I live my life. I mean, I set goals and I and I accomplish them. And when I accomplish them, I set another goal. I I and I every goal that I've set for myself, I have attained every single one of my goals that I have set for myself. I have a team. I always wanted to be in the movies. Um, I, 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 I get an opportunity to be there for a short time. I had to take a break because I want to concentrate on my dojo. Um, but lots of my friends still want me to come back. Uh, um, and the, 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 the part that I got to play is not the part that I really want to play because I think I have a lot of greatness to offer than just, you know. Um, so hopefully that will manifest in time because I planned the seed before and it manifested. Um, my dojo here is growing, you know, it's, it's a lot of hard work and there's a lot of things that you have to do out here to maintain and keep your head above water. Um, but in, to be honest with you, I just keep setting goals, attain them, set more goals, attain them, set more goals, attain them. And that's just why I live. I live two goals, sometimes three goals at a time. And I'm the type of guy, I, one lesson that my grandmother always teach me, she taught me was never count my chicken before it hatch, <laughs> right? So I never tell people what I'm going to do. I always do it first and then tell them because I, I don't like disappointing people. You know what I mean? I'm a man of my word, a man of my action. Integrity is a very big part of my life. If I say I'm going to do something, trust me, I'm going to do it. And that's who I am. Well, you have definitely inspired of a lot of people here in Dominica, around the world, um, people who, who are looking like we have Ursula in from Switzerland who's saying thank you for your inspiration and positive vibes. Hey Ursula, hey, hey. that was one of my best kickboxing ladies. I can go anywhere with that lady. Trust me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to you. But you've motivated so many people and not just motivated, you teach a lot of young people, a lot of uh, a lot of um, children. Um, oh, yeah. Karate. Although my son hates karate, and I think I I don't know if it has to do with you. Um, I don't know you. I don't know exactly because you were his first um inspiration to to like you were the first person he saw do karate. But he never said that he hated karate because he hated the art of karate. I think he just figured that he could be like his mother and use his mouth to defend himself instead. <laughs> Well, I, I'll be honest with you, like, um, no, your son is very special and, you know, martial arts is not for everybody, you know, and everybody has their, their greatness and so on. And your, your son is a little bit shy and because he has that nice little bit, that little shyness to be a true warrior, he has to break out of that. And I don't think he's ready to break out of that yet. Sometimes it takes a little time to break out of that shyness. Yeah, and 
you know, but I have taught so many people. And so what I tell people is, you know, martial arts is a beautiful thing, but it's not for everybody. It, take, it, it takes a certain kind of confidence and a certain type of courage to be a true karateka. And maybe one day he might want to get back into it. Maybe one day he might like it again. And because he was doing okay when he was attending classes, he was, he was doing very well, you know? said to me, um, I don't want to do karate anymore. And I'm like, why? And he goes, um, I just don't want to do it anymore. I don't need to learn to defend myself. And I'm like, why you don't? Uh, you see, and I'll tell you a secret. <laughs> every child, every child go through that phase. Every child who start that young, at mm -hmm. some point, all my black belts, at some point told their parents they wanted to stop. You know, all. In Canada, I tried to introduce him to the classes here. And mm -hmm. He's interested in basketball. He's interested in soccer. He loves swimming. But karate, from the time I tell him, I want to, what, what is that sensei do to my child and make him so <laughs> I, I, I didn't do nothing I to your child. Just, I, but, but you I, know. I think he's not into it. And, and that's pretty much it. You know, yeah, I, I just think, I just think he just, maybe that's not his calling, you know. Like maybe that's just not his calling. You know, maybe he's calling us to maybe be a swimmer. He's very, like, he knows what he wants, eh? So he's not... Right, so... Last night, we went to an event, and he's like, I want to I wanna go on the mic and give jokes. I'm like, you want to go on the mic and give jokes? He goes, yeah, um, I want to go, I want to go and talk about my uncle, because my granduncle's birthday party, and I'm like, um, Giovanni, no, you don't know nothing about um, Uncle Richard, you're not going up on the mic to give you jokes. And he said, but mommy, why? I want to go up and give jokes. So he's not scared. So maybe, maybe, so maybe he's calling this to be, is to be a stand-up comedian. Maybe he's to be a swimmer. <laughs> Man, stand-up comedian make a lot of money. You never know. You gotta, you gotta, maybe after one day, let him try. Maybe one day he's, he might change his goal because I'll tell you, kids, the, the goals change as they grow. You know, the one time they want to be a doctor, another time they want to be a police, another time they want to be an entrepreneur, another time they want to be like their mommy, another time they want to be like their daddy. So they grow as they grow. So sometimes you have to let them, and your child is not really a bad child, but you have to say, you need to do martial arts because you need that discipline. So that's for blessings for you on that, you know, but if you have a child that is that needs the discipline, they will tell you, because I've had children say, I don't want to do it because they didn't want the discipline. They didn't want the instructions. They want to do whatever they want to do. And their parents are like, nope, you, you got to do it. And who, today, they are, they, are, they are my best students. They're in university. They, they're in college. The parents are sending me thank you notes saying thank you for helping my son. You know, and even when I go to China, these places, and I teach in people on wheelchairs, it gives me great pleasure to help these type of people. And I think that's my next, my next mission, you know, um, I want to organize my my system in such a way that I can have classes on a regular basis for the how we call it the disabled people and disabled the, the disability I'm talking about is either Down syndrome on a wheelchair they have some some kind of problem where they are not like normal us some of them are greater than us I'll tell you that because I've worked with some kids with Down syndrome here in Canada and they are very intelligent. Yes, yes. They are very, very intelligent. And I enjoy working with these young people. And they, they, if you program them right, the level of respect that they have for you will be uh, phenomenal. 
You understand? But people don't have the patience to tap into those type of people. And I like those type of people because it reminds me of who I am and where I came from. You. It's a challenge that you and you want you understand? to greedy. <laughs> well, you know what? Greedy, greedy is relative, you know, agile. Greedy is relative. They, it depends on what you're talking about and what you mean by greedy. Because greedy. if you're not, if you're not greedy, you're going I, to starve. I greedy too. Eh? Let me tell if, you. If you're not greedy, you're going, to, you're going to starve. And oh I. <laughs> such a pleasure having you here on Kakuti. This is my longest show ever, and I know we could. How long has we been? How long have we been on? on about two hours it's going on two hours now really <laughs> it's almost gonna be two hours soon yes. no see i told i told you i told i told you that would take five days shut you up you just keep talking right <laughs> but you are such an inspiration to to a lot of people a lot of young people i think that at the end of the day your message and your 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 message needs to be put out there people need to know um, what you're about. You have so many different um, things in store. I mean, you've written a few books, you know, so if people want to reach out to you, um, your social media handle, as I said, is above or below, depends on what you're looking, what device you're using to look at the show. And you can always um, click on, on his link. And if you send him a message, he usually gets back to you in two to three days. <laughs> Thank, <laughs> Thank you, Chiel. That is my message. I'm like your personal assistant now, eh? because I know I'm talking from experience, right? You know why Michael Jackson was Michael Jackson? <laughs> why? Be because he was not easily available. Okay then. <laughs> okay, but it was, it was a pleasure talking to you and 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 getting to know a little bit about you, um, and what you're about. And I and I again, I want to congratulate you on all your achievements thus far. And I can only see. You're doing so many more amazing things here in Dominica, around the world. I expect to see you in the next movie of, of some sort. <laughs> you have so many talented Dominicans and so many. I, and I still don't feel like you, are, that my personal opinion, that you're recognized. Um, like you should be. <laughs> and I made a comment. I made a comment. Um, and I'm going to. And I. I probably, what be telling you listening? <laughs> probably gonna get flack for it, but. Um, I don't think our countrymen recognize greatness within, um, and they always look for greatness uh, out of. That's right. It's the truth, out. man. It's the truth. It's, uh, and as I said, yeah, go ahead. It might not necessarily be a Dominican thing. It might be a West Indian thing. I don't know if it's a crab in the bucket mentality. I don't know exactly what it is. If it, has, if it comes from our ancestors. If it, I don't know where <laughs> it comes from, but it's a disease. And and I, Kako T is a, is a platform whereby I feel like we need to expose ourselves. We need to actually reach our, our full potentials, potential. And we can do that through social media because social media will reach places, right? Oh, yeah. We'll get to know about you and what you stand for. So I'm kind of sort of done with like trying to prove myself to my countrymen. I mean, it's like I'm over it. And um, welcome, welcome to my world. <laughs> I've been over it for a while because mm. you, you can try as hard. It's like trying to remove blood from stone. Impossible, right? Well, yeah, but like for me, like like Jill, let me tell you, like um, like someone might say, you know, someone who doesn't know, they might ask, "What's your resume?" All right, and for me, I have an associate degree in architectural design. I have certificates from City and Gill in building construction. 
I have my own company registered in Dominica. I'm the founder chief instructor of Universal Martial Arts Academy. I am two-time martial arts Hall of Fame inductee. The recent one and the next, the first one was back in 2010. I'm a six-time world champion. One in two, uh, three times in fighting, two times in weapons, and others in cutters. Um, just to name a few. I have an extensive resume, pretty much. But and 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 the most the most I even forget my achievements and the most pre, uh, the most valuable one in 2014 being recognized by the prime by the president of Dominica Medal Service of Honor and being the third martial artist in the whole of the Caribbean to receive such an award being the youngest martial artist in the Caribbean to receive such an award and being the first martial artist in Dominica to achieve that and accomplish that and being the second youngest martial art um, person in Dominica to receive a material service of award from the president of the country. I mean, and yet still, I am representing my medal because I know a lot of people that got the medal and then they just go and collect dust. But I figure if you, if you have a medal of honor from the president, you have to be selfless, you have to keep doing what you're doing and you gotta put yourself out there to make people's life better. And that's what I'm doing, I'm putting myself out there I, I mean, some people might like me, some people might not like me. I don't really care. I do what I do best. And what I do best is help people because I love me. And once I love me, everything else is okay. Once God loves me, everything else is okay. And that is just Amen. simple as it is. Amen. Shana, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so very much for, for being on, on with us. Um, I look forward to seeing. I, I mean, I follow you like every now and again. You know, there are a few people that I, I actually <laughs> go on page you are one of the few people like there's like a handful there's probably five people i go on their facebook page i appreciate I that thank you <laughs> because you only have some stupidness you're talking and you know and, and I, I like i find it very entertaining and 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 the way you the way you the way you actually um you have that that don't care you know vibe you know and and you don't care who likes you you're gonna be you okay? and and Man. i can appreciate because i am somewhat I, I'm a somewhat the same person. I, I don't care what people think. And, and I really I wish you all the best in, in all your endeavors, everything that you're, you're going to do, your movie, your documentary, and all the different things that you're, you're putting out oh, there. Yes? My book my book going to be out on Amazon soon. Um, okay. The Positive Mind, The Power Is Now. And then my someone was saying earlier I should write a book. I have a book that's already written, edited. Just I'm just looking for the right publisher because I think it could be a bestseller. So I'm holding it back. It's in my archive for the last from yeah, since I 2016. Have, you have, have a publisher? Opinion. Okay, yes, so privately, privately, let's talk about that and stuff like that. Also, my documentary is out. Um, my documentary, I haven't put it on, on YouTube or whatever yet because I'm using it as a motivational piece for young people. And the proceeding that I collect from that documentary, I'm using it to sponsor one child from the Seventh-day Adventist Secondary School where I went for the next three to four years. So, yeah, so um, that's why you haven't seen them. It's all about giving back for you. And you've always, you've done so much to give back and... I hope that people actually acknowledge and give you your flowers while you're alive, you know, and because you've acknowledged everybody who's who's um, been um, uh, an instrument in your life. Oh and yeah, 
helped you and you you always did i remember listening to you on on for diners um in the spotlight and you did mention you know all the people who've who've uh played a role um unfortunately we're out of time and we can't mention anybody else <laughs> i'm encouraging folks to actually go out there and follow you on 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 facebook because you always put out something they can get to know what you're doing out there. They can follow you, know when your book is available. Um, so go ahead and, and share the link. Make sure you hit share. All of all you send in all your messages. I see somebody just saying, sweet Shelly. Somebody, you know, everybody, <laughs> um, everybody's sending, you know, their comments and stuff. And and, and they're, they're so happy to, um, to hear your story and to be able to connect with you. And I wish you all the best, you and your entire family. Thank you very much. And business-wise, family-wise, just keep doing your, keep doing you, you know, keep doing you. And I hope that you can get some cocoa tea, you know. Um, so I, I'm gonna have to come out to Toronto and get some cocoa tea, man. Jail, I want to say. <laughs> I have a little something. In <laughs> I, that doesn't stick on me. I can't get. I, 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 I'm like, I'm like dashing bush. Them thing doesn't stick on me. It's not dashing bush. It's dashing leaf. Dashing <laughs> leaf. Okay, I'm a dashing leaf. It doesn't stick on me. Yeah. Child, I want to say thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. I really enjoy it. And um, yeah, man, so many things we didn't talk about, but um, maybe a next time. <laughs> always a next time, you know. It's always, always a next, a next time. time. And, I, and I, I'm, I'll wait when you're on, you know, on the red carpet or when they, when they put you, give you a star in Hollywood, you know. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. <laughs> 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 I interview, you know. I'm like, I might be the one to interview you on the, you know. Well, let, 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 well, let's let let's hope that let's hope that my country do something about that first. Let's hope that Prime Minister Skerritt and uh, Honorable Town and all these great men do something. And you know what? It's okay if they don't, because somebody else will. You right. see that? You hit it on the nail. <laughs> thank you very much, Gerald. I really appreciate for having me. I really appreciate. It. Oh, really, appreciate and thank you to your listeners for you know for all the wonderful comments and all the positive and, and, and encouragement i'll keep doing my best and i encourage you um if you have a moment you can actually go back and view the comments if you want to actually um respond to some of them oh yes please send me a link you can um, um the link is on my page so you um, okay. share it with you as well um okay. you can always go back and uh, a lot of people have sent sent a lot of kind words can you tag me can you tag me in it i will i will tag you in and, and you okay. can um, go on there and you can share it, you can share the entire interview. I encourage folks to share the interview. And you know what? Thanks again, guys, for toughing it out for the longest interview ever. Um, my, <laughs> my next interview might be even longer because my next interview, I'll be interviewing my sister. And that will be a tough one. Um, I never thought in a million years I would have to interview my sister um, like that. Um, so I, I'm looking forward to it. And that's in the next two weeks. So on November the 10th will be the next show, the next faculty show. And thanks again, guys, for tuning in. Until next time, have a good day. Thanks. Yeah, guys. thank you very much. You have greatness in you. Ciao. Peace. Bye -bye.